Welcome to the NPL Sunday Night Show, powered by the Brisbane Football Review. Hosted by Scott Owen. Right, what would I know? I'm just the weekend host around here. And James Coglin. Once. Many people have said I'm from the origin of the universe from an evolutionary point, and it's a badge that I will wear proudly. Cross is there. Here's her booter. Rounds the keeper, finds Thompson. Can she get there? It's cleared off the line. Demi Robbins, right place, right time. Your weekly NPL recap starts now. And welcome to the of the NPL Sunday show here on the Brisbane Football Review. Scott, as usual, in the host chair, but Adam is not here this week. I think he's gone down to the centre of the universe. So I'm joined by Football Queensland match commentator and host of the Willie Wednesday show, beg your pardon, James Coglin. James, thanks for joining me on the show. Good to make your first appearance for the year. Yeah, it's good to finally get the call up off the uh, subs bench. And I will say that was a much smoother intro than my one for uh, Gold Coast Morton Bay yesterday. There were couple of flubbed lines in there, but um, I do just want to say I did get a uh, message from Adam earlier today, just encouraging, um, giving me some encouraging words about uh, what to do tonight. It was a little bit garbled, though. It might have been the in-flight Wi-Fi messing it up, but he said, whatever you do, get us sued. So I've actually got a really in-depth list here. The following people have actually just... You know, we just, we have, we just we've, got a, we've got a really, really tight schedule here, James. We might just have to forego that, uh, <laughs> that, that list. But the intro was fun, except for trying to flub the Wednesday weekend combination. But anyway, how did you enjoy your weekend of football? It was a good weekend of football. I'm actually surprised we got all the games in last night because the radar just did not look at all friendly. And I will say as well, it was the one time I had been really, really thankful for remote commentary because it did not look like a lot of fun down at uh, Coplix last night. And I was in a comfortable air-conditioned booth at Cooparoo. So, you know, silver linings about it all. I think I would have preferred it if it was about 10 degrees cooler because you can't really layer up for the well rain to stay dry and uh, if you're there in its 25, 27 degrees and about 100% humidity. No, it is a great setup there, though, at Cooper, where they do the, the commentary from where you were. We will get to the other games in the comp- competition over the weekend. But we'll start with the game which you did call down on the Gold Coast at Coplick Family Sports Park. A 1-0 win for Gold Coast United. A goal from Kai Tepaldo midway through the first half. And... It was a pretty even game, wasn't it? Morton Bay certainly had their chances. I don't think they'd be too disappointed with the way they played. Just Gold Coast found a way to to get the goal, and then that really solid defence they have held held true in the second half. Yeah, it was a really like fascinating game to uh, watch as it unfolded. The best attack in the league, Morton Bay, specialising in uh, late show goals as well. I honestly thought they were going to find a way to find an equaliser uh, as the match went on. But um, King Carlos Saliadare, huge penalty save as well. And uh, yeah, slipping and sliding conditions and Gold Coast picking up, as I think you may be about to say as well, their first NPL win over Morton Bay. So I think they enjoyed that one. I wasn't actually, I completely forgotten about that, but it's correct, that's their first win in the league. But I was going to mention Carlos Saliadare, great penalty save, wasn't it, off Marquez Walsh. It was a pretty clear-cut penalty decision, not much you can argue with, but that's that's probably exactly why they bought someone like Carlos in. Gold Coast have had a lot of young goalkeepers in the last couple of years, but he certainly proved why he's one of the better, more experienced keepers in that moment. He had a trio of really big saves all on Marquez Walters, so I actually felt a little bit bad for the Borton Bay striker. He did a couple of... Uh, had a couple of really good chances in the first half, kind of improvising in just a little bit of space. And next thing you know, um, Saliadare came down, like got an arm out and managed to uh, deny Walters. So yeah, he was 
probably the standout player for Gold Coast as well, and a big reason they walked away with three points to temporarily go on top of the ladder. They did temporarily go top of the table. We'll talk about who got, who's there now in a minute, but don't feel too bad for Marquez Walters. He is still the leading goal scorer in the NPL as of this weekend, so he's got plenty going for him. But what do you make of Morton Bay as a side? I mean, I mean you picked Morton Bay to make the finals on our season preview, and I'm not sure too many thought that was likely, but they've got off to a great start, haven't they, this year? I will admit it was one of those picks that I, I, I may have pulled it out of my rear end partially, but I was impressed by what they showed in the uh, Kappa Pro series in those opening two games. And with Cameron Miller, he's really familiar with that squad as well. And I think that they've just got something going and they're a fun team to watch. They love to attack. Um, they played in a back three uh, for quite a bit of the match as well, which was a little bit surprising. But it looks like uh, with some of the changes they made, Lockie Stroggers coming in and uh, Reese Squin jones they've, they've got different ways to go after players as well. And not to mention Geordie Farina back from suspension too. So it's a deep squad, a surprisingly deep squad where they can sort of, you know, pick the right horses for courses as well. And look, I, I mentioned Walters had a pretty frustrating night in front of goal, but he is definitely one of the uh, more exciting striking prospects in the NPL as well. Absolutely. And you mentioned Morton Bay, they have got a couple of troops back. I'm Jordan Farina back from suspension. Reese Quinn Jones, I think, just got back from an injury as well. So certainly plenty of troops going back for a very good Morton Bay squad. But with Gold Coast United, that defence is really carrying them this year. It's only one goal conceded through the first five games now. And they, yes, they're good going forward, but that defence is really underpinning what, this, what their start of the season has been all about. Yeah, well, I mean, pretty much everything uh, Gray Piddick is about is building that great uh, wall of defence as well. He's got two really strong um, centre-backs in Golding and Blake Thompson as well. And just the progression of Blake Thompson over the last few years just continues to astound me because I remember when I first started commentating the games, I always felt like he was a little bit of a red card liability as well. But just the way that he's grown into not just being a really solid centre-back as well, but just leading that team uh, by example, he's been arguably their most important player over the last couple of years. And that does include Shane Smeltz. You're absolutely right. He has absolutely become the leader of that team. Watching them in person in the derby in round one, he was the guy who was really marshalling that back line, really leading the young guys. So he's certainly taken on that leadership role down on the, on the Gold Coast and it's having huge benefits for them. We'll move on to the other games in the NPL men's competition. James, let's go through these quite quickly. Staying down on the Gold Coast, one all draw between Gold Coast Knights and Sunshine Coast Wanderers. Kyan Bryant with a goal for the Wanderers. Pascale De Vita for Gold Coast Knights. But that's not the end of the story is a couple of late red cards at the in stoppage time just to spice things up a little bit. Yeah, it all kind of kicked off as Knights were pushing for an equaliser. It was an ugly, ugly challenge uh, from Fitzsimmons, which you know I, I, I admire the commitment to the cause, trying to argue the uh, decision to send him off. And then uh, Braden Inman looks like he might be in for a few weeks on the sideline as well because, admittedly, just off the what the camera feed picked up, it did look like there might have been. Uh, fairly forceful contact with a swinging arm. There's a bit of retaliation for Fitzsimmons. So, again, that's just what we could see on the uh, live stream. But, yeah, it was uh, not the most pleasant ending, I would say. No, a couple of weeks off for those guys that you mentioned there. And it might be a couple of weeks off for some, some players at Peninsula Power with Michael McGowan and Lewis Greenwood both sent off in their loss to, to Lions. I see it was a 3-1 win for Lions. Two goals from Andy Pangeli, one from Matt Rydenton. Josh Woolley did give Peninsula Power the lead. And the first half was pretty good from Peninsula Power. They did take the lead and they were going okay in the game. But second half, it's almost like they hit the, the um, self-destruct button, wasn't it? The um, the penalty, the red card double jeopardy, and then Pengeli made it two not long after. And after that, they really did just fall in a heap. 
Yeah, just was one of those nights where it felt like once one thing went wrong for Penn Power, it just snowballed from there as well. Like, yeah, you have to clear a pretty high bar to get the penalty and red card double, but like based on the way that that unfolded, it just cleared that from like the viewing I had last night. But even so, it's still. I think it's one of those times where it was a case of, okay, well, nothing's breaking our way. And that is also why I picked Lions to still be really, really, really good this year. They got just a sliver of an opening and uh, made the most of it. But those guys have played some pretty fiery matches over the years as well, haven't they? It's, it feels like there's always some sort of little uh, melee taking place when uh, something happens in those games. It is certainly a spicy game, no doubt about that. And this one was, I think, last year there were a couple of red cards in the late winner or equaliser when they played as well. So they certainly have had those sort of games. But you're right about Lions. When they do get a sniff, they certainly do go on with it. But what are you made of Peninsula's start to the year? Because this is very unpalatable. They've played five games now in the league. They won in the Cup midweek, but they have played five games now, lost four, drawn one. It's very un-Peninsula-like. And we're used to seeing them up the top and challenging. It's just, just not quite clicking at the moment. It just, Yeah, it just hasn't quite clicked as well. It feels like maybe they're missing that. But true outlet up front, which could have been new uh, uh after his round one red card, which, again, is another red card that I don't think you can argue too much about. But, um, yeah, it just it feels like they're missing that sort of focal point in attack. Like, Solomon Veldemarium is a promising young player. I've sung his praises before. Malachi loves Samira as well. Um, they've got a really good basis of a team there. It just feels like I haven't quite been able to like find those, find those combinations and make them work as well. The one thing that I'm a little bit uh, interested to see as well is how they've worked to try and integrate Greenwood and McHenry because it seems like they're playing together on that right side of defence as opposed to being the sort of alternating uh, wing-backs as well. So maybe there's just a little bit of an adjustment period as well because Rick Coughlin came in mid-season last year. I don't think he necessarily thought about changing all that much, but... Um, now, you know, he's trying to put his stamp on the team and say, no, this is how we're going to play. And maybe you almost have to treat it like they've brought in an entirely new uh, coach, like we've seen some of the other teams do, and they just need a few more games to sort of adapt. I mean, look, I don't think Power are going to be in a relegation battle by any stretch of the imagination. When they click, watch out. But until they do, they might just uh, bear watching for the time being. Yeah, it's unthinkable that power would be in a relegation battle, but we'll see how they go over the next month or so, picking up points. But it is very interesting because last year they did change the coach midway through the year. Before that, they did lose, they let a lot of players, the, all the experienced players who got them into the NPL from the FQPL, went one back-to-back premiers. All those players did did move on. So they've changed their squad a little bit, James, and maybe it's taking a little bit of time now, the younger guys just trying to find their way in terms of with the new guys coming in as well. Yeah, and you just look at the way that they've started as well. Like They haven't had easy games as well. We know Sunshine Coast Wanderers have always given them uh, problems as well. They you know, really pushed in that uh, Brisbane Raw game that I called as well. And yeah, I mean, I suppose the one thing if you're looking for positives out of that as well is they do have the talent to just go on a run when they're ready to, when they're ready to hit the accelerator. It's just a case of making it all click. Absolutely. And one side who have gone on a run so far this year is Redlands United, a 5-2 win away from home against Eastern Suburbs. Two goals from Peter Klaas and Aguirre Santana in that game. That's a great result for, for Daniel Varma's side, isn't it? And they were a team a lot of people thought would struggle this year, but they've got off to a fantastic early start. 
I'm drawing a blank. Have you guys done the uh, Dr. Daniel Varma gag every week uh, this season? So no, far? you can claim it as your own. Okay, well, there we go. Dr. Daniel Varma, he's uh, weaving his uh, magic and finding the right medicines for the Redlands United side. You wouldn't want to be the idiot that expected them to be in a relegation battle, but five goals against what is a pretty stubborn East team has to be a pretty solid thing, and uh, I'm pretty sure Klaassen will be uh, pleased with scoring a brace against his former team as well. I'm sure he was very pleased with it. There's a couple of idiots who might have picked him to finish on the, near the bottom of the table on this podcast. So we might just swiftly move on from our season predictions. We'll stick with your positive Morton Bay and we'll move on from the other one. Brisbane City 4-0 over Rochelle in the game, which has just finished a few minutes ago. Two goals from Matt Thurtell in that game. Brisbane City, they're back on the horse after a couple of shaky results. And said Adam and I were talking about this on the show a couple of weeks ago. Matt Thurtell is that sort of striker where... You're not going to notice him a lot throughout the year, but he's going to end up with 16, 17 goals. He's just that absolute pure finisher in this game. He was absolutely superb. Well, to sort of paraphrase a Cameron Atfield favourite, he's almost Tengeli-like in that he may not he may not be involved all that much, but when he gets the ball at his feet, he's always a danger to score. So, you know, he's got that going for him as well, and he's a pretty solid um, in, uh, improvement for Carl Dodd. And, it is interesting to seeing the changes that Dodd has brought in from what was working quite well under Matt Smith at the back end of last season, where they've got that sort of, they've got that much more direct uh, option now as well, where I think for better or worse under Smith, they were going to try and play their way forward, but they're not afraid now to just say, screw it, route one, this is the right move for this situation. And it's a bit of a no-nonsense approach and it's clearly paid dividends so far. Three wins, a draw and a loss. And that was a, wild loss to uh, uh, Lions in the Brisbane Classico that really lived up to its name. Yeah, did you see much of the City or Rochester play this year? I've seen uh, a couple of City games as uh, well because I'm doing the prep for their game and I did get to do Rochdale's Kappa Pro Series match against um, Gold Coast United the week before the season started. I'm not too worried about Rochdale. I think that, well, I I don't know if you guys uh, mentioned it last week. Forgive me, I may have missed that in amongst all the other stuff. But uh, I, I know they've had a few uh, change, enforced changes to the side as well, just with circumstances and whatnot. I think they've got a good side. I still think they're going to wind up finishing comfortably safe. But it, it is that first season in the NPL. They've brought in a few new players. Tim Emblem at uh, left back. He He's going to uh, come up from AC Carina. But, I mean, look, when you've got the sort of NPL experience that they have um, with, you know, Marek Mardley and company, they should be fine to uh, make something happen. And I'm just rambling now, so I'm going to throw it back to you. That's right. Nothing wrong with rambling. We've done on this show plenty of times. But you mentioned Rochdale. They've taken a while to adapt to the new league. We haven't seen an FQPL1 teams that a lot of people thought would go well. Caboolture last year surfers this year. Take a little while to get find their feet. So there's nothing we'll talk about there for Rochdale. The final game of the round is currently underway. James, up on up on the peninsula at AJ Kelly Park. It's between the Roar Academy and, and Olympic FC. It's a it's currently 1-0 to the Brisbane Roar in that game. Midway through the second half. It's an important game for both sides, isn't it, to try and pick up points. Olympic have started slowly a bit like Peninsula Power, but they've started turning around since that Kiepel has returned to the side. So what do you make of that? The, those two sides? It's been hard to talk about the game because it's still going, but have those two sides start to the season? Yeah, well, I will say thanks for... Um agreeing to record while this game was uh, still in action. Since You're I am going to ha- I'm going to have a screaming, crying, full nappy, 5am alarm uh, coming up tomorrow. But uh, goal from James Nikolovsky, which is uh, pretty impressive as well in that game. I'm just checking the uh, live stats. 
for the Raw, I think you can see the, I suppose, a bit more results-orientated approach now that uh, they don't have that safety of uh, relegation. And they do have some really good players there. I've been really impressed with what I've seen from Trent Millard. Um, and Tally Cobb might have a little bit of something about him as well. as a bit of a nuisance for defenders any time he's matched up with them. As for Olympic, I mean, I, I want to go back to the season preview. I did say, you know, give him six, seven, eight weeks to find a way to adapt because that is a massive overhaul in what has been a staple top four club here in Queensland under Ben Khan. And it was a massive undertaking for uh, Royce Brownlee and it was always going to be a little bit of a change. But, I mean, it's still a very, very good side. I just, yeah, finals, I think maybe a little bit beyond Olympic, but they'll still find a way to be competitive and probably still wind up in that mid-table range. I think I had them about sixth. Yeah, so I think we all, all had him roughly in that area. For the Raw, quickly, it's good to see Thomas Wadding him back after his trial overseas. He was back in that side. But with Olympic, they did have Zach Kierpel on the bench for the first month of the season. I think nursing with Vinny Joe. There is Nathan Beagley back in the squad, what they put out on their socials today. So it seems like they're getting a few troops back. Maybe it'll be the catalyst to spur them for Quickly, the top four that's on the table that's got a very familiar look to it now. Lions SC sit top of the table on 11 points on goals scored ahead of Gold Coast United, also on 11 ahead of Sunshine Coast Wanderers, also on 11, with Moreton Bay in fourth on 10, Brisbane City in fifth on 10 as well. I'll go through the full table this week, but that's the top of the table. I'm sure that's exactly the way we drew it up, the way at the start exactly. of the year, James. Yep. Exactly. I think uh, Sunshine Coast Wanderers were the other team I had in the uh, relegation <laughs> zone. Sorry, whoops. But um, I, I'm just looking at the stats as well. So five games played for Gold Coast United, one goal conceded. That is just utterly ridiculous. It a league that has so many really strong attacking players. But, you know, that in a situation like that, discipline is probably going to serve you well. And that's been the most impressive thing for Gold Coast so far. They've had that discipline. They've been able to maintain 11 players on the pitch outside of their midweek Australia Cup game, um, where Alex Walter picked up a 86-minute red card, I think I saw. But discipline is doing the job for Gold Coast. And I think we've all said, you know, if they can just avoid even half of those frustrating times where they drop points, like we might have seen last night, where that penalty might have been scored in previous years and Gold Coast are forced to settle for a draw. Now they're making those saves and holding on for wins. So that's that's got to be a ringing endorsement for the project that they're building down there. And, um, yeah, it, it's going to be really fascinating because it's anyone's guess about how that top four is going to shake out. Absolutely, and we spoke to Greg Pittick about that in the, in the off-season, actually after round one. Discipline is the one thing he's really focused on this year, is cutting out those those red cards. He was really pleased that they didn't get suckered in, in the derby, and it seems like they've continued that over the course of the season. Quickly, to the NPL Women's Championship, the feature game we covered on our socials this today, actually, was Eastern Suburbs 4-3 over... Mitchell, and this was a this was a crazy game. There's Lauren Askin with two goals, Sophie Pearson and Kaho Ashima for East, Kelly Pufro with two for Mitchelton and a and a long range bomb from Gemma Burton for Mitchelton. This was a topsy turvy crazy game. This it was goals back and forth and almost in response to each other straight away. It was quite crazy viewing. Yeah, lucky Alan getting that one as well, even though it was um done from ground oh shot from ground level. But uh yeah, lucky Alan getting that game. <laughs> um yeah, I mean those are two sides with plenty of goals in them as well. Um, Kelly Periferoy just picking up where she left off. Yeah, I mean, they're two really good, really good sides in them. 
You there? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah, you cut out when you start talking about Kelly Boothroy. Okay. Well, basically, just two really fun teams, and um, yeah. Right, we'll move on after that technical difficulties here. We will persevere on regardless. We'll talk quickly. We're cutting that out, right? Just just when I started uh, calling you incompetent and all that stuff and I should be hosting? Uh, that is definitely being removed from the show. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> the propaganda of me being the host will not be challenged. But we'll move on to the other results of the Keep weekend. Going, South United 2-1 over Capella. But a late goal from Sonny Franco gave Capella so, so South's points in that one. Gold Coast won. FQQAS one great result for the young QAS side. Their Lions four one over Olympic and Peninsula Power three one over the Sunshine Coast Wanderers. It seems looking at the table, James, it does seem like since Adam last week, there's a pretty clear top four breaking away now, isn't there? With Lions, Lions, Gold Coast, East, and Peninsula Power all starting to pull away from the pack. It seems like they are the four premier sides in the competition this year. Yeah, and I've got to admit, I'm quite surprised with how Pan Power have gone. I thought they may have needed a few games to adjust to life in the top flight, but uh, Mick Gallo's got that team humming along nicely. Uh, Sarah D'Apollonia looking like a pretty solid uh, addition to that team as well. I'm going to be really interested to see overall, though, like who is probably the most capable side of bridging that gap as well. And we know, like, Palabar, they've got two of their impact players, Holly Palmer and Larissa Kramer, currently wearing orange and black. Um, Souths, they're always a side that just feels like they're going to find a way to just keep picking up points. But it's already five points uh, as we reach the one-third mark of the season, or closing in on the one-third mark of the season. So you don't want to let that gap get too big because also you've got the Cap- uh, Women's Super Cup to worry about as well. Absolutely. We have seen in the NPL men's competition, when those gaps do develop, that can be very, very difficult to run down, even if you find form later in the year. Quickly, in FQPL1, we'll go through the results in a minute, James. But firstly, the big news of the week was Jade North being announced as the new head coach of the Brisbane Strikers. Got a 1-0 win to start his reign, thanks to Luke Broderick later on over Albany Creek. But that's an interesting change very early in the season at, at Perry Park. The cynic in me does kind of wonder if this was always going to be a change. Like, this was a change that was always going to happen. It was just a case of when they were ready to uh, pull the trigger on that. Because Jade North, I, he, he does seem like someone who is going to just slide into a coaching role. I mean, do you think back to his uh, centre-back part? I don't, actually, did he play with Matt Smith together at he the did. Royals? Okay, they there won we the go. championship so, in 2013-14. What Matt Smith left before? Anyway, never mind that. He's a former centre-back partner with the Raw. Can we edit that uh, little gaff out? No, we're not editing anything here. <laughs> well, it was worth a shot. But, um, yeah, Jade, I think that was always going to be a change that was being made. And, you know, whether they decided he's ready now or maybe he's essentially the coach, so let's just move him on. Um, or it could have even just been as simple as, look, he's not playing as much as uh, he might have been expecting, so let's just get him into that coach's role and let him uh, do the, you know, players needed uh, job as it stands. Playing coaching isn't uncommon in the NPL. Matt Smith did it last year for Brisbane City. James Coots is currently player coach for Logan. So it isn't uncommon, but interesting to see how he does go with that. And I also do remember uh, a certain Warren Moon strapping on the boots uh, on multiple occasions when he was in charge at Lions. There was a night we were there for a then FFA Cup uh, qualifier that went to penalties. So naturally, Moon subbed himself on and pretty sure he buried his penalty. Yes, that was against Rochdale, and I think the first year Lions were in the NPL. And funny, funny story, Adam and I were at um, at Lions Stadium for their for the league game that previous weekend against 
against Brisbane City, which City did win. I think it's the only time they've won at Lions Stadium in the NPL era. And then after we were there for the Australia Cup, I think I remember saying to you that if, if Rochdale win this shootout, we may never be invited back to the Lions media deck again <laughs> if we, we turn up and they lose twice in four days. But they did get the win in that game, and Warren Moon did certainly sub himself on as well. I do, I do remember that night as well, because I'm pretty sure I, I didn't go to the league game, but I did show up to the cup game and was worried about just, you know, catching uh, abuse just by association. Well, you, you escaped and so far anyway. We'll see what happens next time you go back to Lions. We'll have to wait and see. But in the, on the table, I think it's not too much not too much change this week on the table. Winner Wolves actually with a great win. Sees them go top of the table. They've been a bit of a surprise package, haven't they? Yeah, I mean, they're building something there as well. And I, I don't think it's any secret. It's You don't mean the motivated. clubhouse, do you? <laughs> um, I'm just going to let that one slide. But... I think I don't think it's any secret. You know, it's being largely motivated by their push as part of the Brisbane United uh, National Second Division bid. But um, yeah, three wins, two draws so far, and just looking really, really strong so far. And yeah, it could wind up being double promotion if this keeps up. But there is still a very long way to go in the season, so I don't want anyone accusing me of doing the commentators' curse, even though I'm not commentating at the moment. It definitely counts as a commentator because even if you say it on here, Wynnum, Logan, Albany Creek and Strikers currently at the top four in the FQPL1 on the men's. Quickly in the women's, wins for Brisbane City, Logan, a draw between Broadbridge and Rabina and Virginia beat Western Pride 3-1 this afternoon. It does seem like, we said before the season, Brisbane City were going to be the, the team to beat in this competition. They started off really strongly, but Virginia also amongst the goals, nine goals in their first two games. So maybe they've got the goals in them, but Brisbane City look like the the class of this league, don't they? Yeah, I mean, with the way they've recruited, it's promotional bust for uh, Brisbane City. But, I mean, they've, they've got a pretty strong side. You, I'll, I'll think back to Sunderland Sisters. You've also got uh, some just really strong players back to front, actually. I'd, well, I, otherwise, I could just run through their entire team sheet if I really felt like it. But um, You can if you yeah, want to. I could, but that would mean I'd actually have to uh, dig that one up from their social post as well. But, yeah, really strong team with uh, Brisbane City. And I think it's pretty clear uh, that what the uh, path mark for them this year is. Absolutely. It's certainly very clear what that is. Brisbane City and Virginia do sit in the top two after the opening two weeks in FQPL1. In the interest of time, as James said, he's got a screaming child in the background. We will forego FQPL2 results this week. We'll bring them back next week on the show. Before we do wrap up, we will talk quickly about the Australia Cup games played midweek. We won't go through all the results, James, but Anything really stand out for you in terms of results from round four? Not too many cup sets. A lot of the potential banana skins, the big teams, managed to find their way through, didn't they? Yeah, I kind of feel like after Sydney United's run last year and just the way that, you know, we've seen some of the NPL sides make their move throughout the uh, draw in the past, I think the carrot of cup football is quite obvious now to a lot of these clubs. You know, sometimes they might have tried to rotate but in terms of individual matches, I mean, it's hard to go past the all-NPL tie that uh, we saw um, up on the coast. Oh, not up on the coast, featuring the Sunshine Coast Wanderers uh, against Moreton Bay. So, And that was the only NPL side to get eliminated. Everyone else, everyone else got through because it was an intra-division matchup. So still ele- oh, 10 top-flight sides because you don't have the Roar in there just yet. Absolutely. There was one result over the weekend. Calandra beating Burley on penalties by five goals to four. We're still waiting for the gap against St. George Willow, and that was postponed due to the weather. No no um, realignment of that game yet. And just quickly, Adam's favourite team, Marundu, who went through twice on penalties, they have gone out, unfortunately. So Adam's favourite team is out of the cup now as well. Uh, well, 
thoughts and prayers to uh, Adam as I think I saw the uh, photo of him just in a business class uh, flight. So, yeah, good luck to him. Business class down to the center of the universe. That's a pretty good effort, that. Yeah, well, well, when you fly as much as he does. Absolutely. Well, before we do wrap up this show, we always end with our performer of the week. James, what have you got for us this week in terms of your standout performer of the weekend in the NPL? In Carlos, uh, Carlos Aliadare, penalty save. A couple of uh, you know, big saves to deny Marquez Walters, and that was after getting kicked in the arm in about the fifth minute. Funnily enough, by Marquez Walters, it wasn't anything malicious or anything. It was just purely a, uh, an attempted bicycle kick while Saliadare was going to punch. And um, I will say as well, just everyone making sure the matches got uh, played last night because I I was honestly expecting at least one match to be rained out. So well done for just saying, let's go play. I think some of the Metro games might have been, but quickly back to the game you did call, you could see the, the lightning coming in over the over the, over the the hills down there at Coplex, and it was certainly one of those back. Can we just hurry this up along a little bit? Because if they go off, they're definitely not coming back on. Yeah, well, because it, it was about the 90th minute where the referee stopped the game. I think it was Zach Keenan. He stopped the game and went off, um, went out of shot. I'm assuming to talk to the fourth official and the two coaches and said, look, we've got four or five minutes of stoppage time. We're just going to finish this one up because some of those lightning bolts were pretty bright. And based on what the effects might picked up in terms of thunder, I think if it had been the first half, there would have been a very strong case for the referee to say, let's come back and do this again on Tuesday. Yeah, I imagine Cam Miller's approach would have been different if it was the first half. Second half is like, no, no, we've got to finish this off. If it was first half, no, we've got to call this off. So it certainly always depends. Actually, a youth game happened like that, actually, up at Redcliffe a few years ago with the Raw and Melbourne City. But the city coach managed to get the, the game postponed and then come on on the reschedule. But we'll move on from that, and I'll quickly give my form of the week. Normally, a hat-trick will get you. It's a Natasha Ridley from Mount Gravatt in FQPL2 did get a hat-trick, but I can't go past the goal from Gemma Burton for Mitchelton, a long-range bomb, 35 yards out. Fantastic. That long-range goal will pretty much always get you a nod on the performer of the week, James. Yeah, that makes total sense to me. And uh, just for future reference for any um, members of Clubland listening out there as well, if you want to be my performer of the week, it will probably be a big help if uh, I'm commentating your game. So put the requests into uh, Football Queensland to have me commentate your games and I'll try and get back on the NPL Sunday show and maybe see if Adam's passport can get cancelled for next Sunday night. I thought you were going to say we put the request into appear on this show more often. Well, that too. I mean, you know, if you'll have me back. We'll see what the demand is like on that. But thanks for joining me once again this week, James. Pleasure as always, Scott. I'll see you Wednesday. We'll be back on Wednesday for our regular show, A-League show. Also next weekend, Adam will probably be back for the Sunday show. In the meantime, get out and enjoy your local football. We'll talk to you all again next week.